Okay. So we began last week uh, after the introduction. So we began some of the uh, the psukim from uh, uh, from Mizmoshir Yom Hashabbos, and now we'll be able to see it together with some of the uh, Mephorshim. So we'll try and do like we uh, we did before, where we read, we'll translate, and then we'll uh, some of it we'll do outside, and then some of it we'll uh, we'll read together inside, depending on the the length of what uh, of what we are covering. So let me pull that up for you. Oh, should be there. President accounted for. Wrong place on my screen. Okay, let me bring you guys. Okay. So, so we begin again where it says Mizmor Shili Yom Shabbos. So we begin with this song which we're going to sing for Shabbos. And as we mentioned last week, and as we're going to read now. There's actually two different explanations as far as what we are uh, singing for. And here you have, uh, should be in the footnote over here. So here we have the first comment is, is from the Radak. And he writes, very uh, important, because he, he frames these two things which we're going to be discussing. So he points out, what we know historically, is that every day of the week, as the korbanos were being brought, as the daily korbanos were being brought, so they would go ahead and they would sing a song, and this is the Shabbos that they would sing for Shabbos. This is the song that they would sing for Shabbos. And there is an idea of Shabbos like we, like we said. And then this is, the first part he mentions, is the idea of uh, what we talked about last week in terms of the Medrash. That Adam Arisha went ahead and expressed appreciation for Shabbos in that uh, when Shabbos came, that means that he was not banished to Gehenna. So he was very appreciative of that, uh, that opportunity. And as a result of that, he had deep and profound appreciation of Shabbos. Now, the Malbim comes along and he says that, and he writes this, we'll actually read inside because it's, uh, this is the more important one to read inside. He says, So although the opening line of this particular parak uh, revolves around Shabbos, the truth is, is that the main theme of this uh, this parak, of this chapter, really has to do with Hashkacha Pratis. It really has to do with the way in which God runs the world. Even though, as one looks out at the world in world events, it may seem as if everything is running based on nature and it's not being run by God. Nonetheless, the, a, a careful, thoughtful eye will uh, will realize, will be able to discern the divine providence involved. And then with the proper perspective, one will actually be able to see, even though it's not what you see superficially, but ultimately what one will be able to see is the punishment of the Rishayim, which is what we expect, and the reward for the Tzadikim, which is also what we expect. Hagam <laughs> 
And here the Malbim says something which is a profound philosophical idea, which cannot be em- emphasized enough. And that is that although in reality, reality meaning from the true perspective with our Torah glasses on, so it is the Rishayim who get punished and it is the Tzadikim who get rewarded, but Hashem does not make this something which you could prove scientifically. You can't run some sociological study or some reward and punishment type of study and discern that all of the good people get all the goodies and all the bad people get all of the bad things. Good people get steak and the bad people get uh, you know, salmon or something like that. So if you try to go ahead and figure that out, so you wouldn't be able to see that that's actually taking place. And the reason why HaKash Baruch Hu does not run the world in a way where we would be able to overtly see that tzaddikim get rewarded and rishayim get punished is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs, by the very definition and the function of the world, there has to be the potential for hashkacha sorry, there has to be the potential for bechira chavshis. There has to be the possibility of free will. And if one was able to do a study and immediately discern that tzaddikim get good and rishayim get bad, so then who would ever be a rasha? Because whoever goes ahead, who wants that? Uh, I'm so sorry. All we have is the, uh, you know, the uh, vegetarian uh, uh, meal for you. So nobody wants the vegan meal for you. So who wants that? Who wants to get stuck with that vegan meal? Everybody wants to go ahead and have whatever it is that the, that they choose. So in order for choice to exist, there by definition has to be the possibility that somebody thinks that choosing their wicked ways is actually a good choice. However, the reason why these two ideas converge, the reason why the theme of Hashkacha Pratis emerges and expresses itself specifically on Shabbos is because Shabbos is the day when we're celebrating Shabbos, the fact that God created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh day. So that is a testimony to our recognition and our awareness that God runs the world. And testifying that God is the creator, that means that it's God versus Mother Nature. So once we go ahead and accept that there's God, so then all the things which re- relate to God and all the corollaries and subcategories of what exists in the sense that God must have had a, a reason why he created the world, and there's a method to what's going on, and there's a plan which is involved, and things aren't going to be running randomly, all of that is part of the recognition of God as the creator. So once we testify and we acknowledge God as the creator, then Hashkacha Pratis is something which automatically follows from there. As we've explained. And it's for that reason, again, the, the, the Malbim's theme throughout this is that it's not a Shabbos topic, it's a Hashkacha Pratis topic. But the most appropriate time and the time where we would most likely be thinking about that Hashgacha Pratis is on Shabbos, because Shabbos testifies to the fact that God is the creator. And together with that is the automatic recognition of the fact that God is running the world and it's not running based on Mother Nature. Okay, so now what happens uh, once we establish what we're doing? So we say, Tov lahodos lahashem. Um, yeah, so we say it's good to go ahead and thank Hashem and to go ahead and 
to sing a song to his lofty name. So over here, this is something which is going to be uh, important to be uh, to be mindful of. Um, that the the sorry the Radak says the uh, yeah the Radak says the reason why we're going to think about these topics on Shabbos rather than any other day of the week. This is not like the Bible said because Shabbos testifies to God as the Creator, but the Radak says the reason why we go ahead and we're thinking about these themes on Shabbos is because Kia Adam Olam, because the world is uh, open. Nobody's running off to work in order to address their earthly needs on Shabbos, and and the soul has a chance to elevate itself and sort of uh, um, loosen its connection to the body. And therefore, it can focus its, its attention on wisdom and avodas Hashem. And once we have that moment to breathe, once we have that space in which to sit with our thoughts a little bit, so immediately what we're going to be led to is praising Hashem and singing songs to his name. And now the Malbim has, not in his regular parish, but in the secondary parish where he explains words. So he says an amazing thing. Actually, let's go back and point out what he's going to talk about. So he says, there's two things which he takes note of. One is that in, of these two phrases which are highlighted, in the first phrase, that first row, we refer to God by his name, Hashem. In the second one, we talk about God's name. We don't even say what the name is, but we say Shimcha, his name. So what's the difference between when, why isn't it Tov Lahodas Lashem, Ulezamer Lashem Elyon? Why not say Hashem in the other one? Or in both places say Shimcha. Tov Lahodas Lashimcha, Ulezamer Lashimcha Elyon. That's number one. And then the second thing that the Malbim takes note of is the fact that when we use the name Hashem, then it's Lahodos, we're giving thanks. When we're talking about the saw, sorry, when we say Shimcha, your name, without actually saying the name, then we're singing a song. So what's what's going on with that uh, the, the, that uh, that uh, that observation? So the Malbim writes, this is a note three over here. So he says, Kfar biarti lemala. I've already explained. So earlier in his commentary to uh, to Tehillim, so Malbim says, I already explained why Hoda, giving thanks, is always associated with Hashem, and why song is associated with the generic reference of his name. Why is that so? Ushmo mor al Because the name, when we talk about God's name, so that refers to the well-known name of God, that's his reputation, let's call it, God's reputation. When we use the name Hashem, so that is a reference to knowing not God's reputation, but knowing God in this personal, intimate type of manner. And that's going to be as a result of the miracles. And it's not just the miracles which take place, but it's how the miracles are specifically designed on an individual basis. How each person is going to experience what they need to personally. So knowing that that's the way the terms are used. So when we talk about something which I experience on a personal level, something which happened to me, which is helpful for me, so I give hoda, I give thanks for that. 
because I'm giving thanks for something which I personally experienced, which was designed and uh, and uh, intended for me specifically. But when we talk about singing a song, and we talk about giving praise to God in, in the manner of a song, that is directed towards God's reputation. That this is his name and this is what he's known for. And therefore we're going to sing a song about his reputation, what he's known for. And the way he interacts with the world in a general way, not in a personalized way. And in that regard, we say Shimcha Elyon, his lofty, elevated name, is referring to the way God interacts with the universe as a whole, rather than me as an individual. Because when we talk about God's overall interaction with the universe, so he does so through the means or through the manner of Teva of nature. Vashem Elyon El Kuyam. And even though there's laws of nature which are in place, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu stands above all of that. He's the one who created the laws of nature, and so he is going to be the one who's behind all of that. And he is the master of all masters. So that's why we have, going back to the Pasuk over here, we say, when we give thanks, so that's on a personalized level, and we say Hashem by his name, and then we're also going to sing a song to his elevated name, Shimcha. That's going to be the more general, Klaliastika reference to God. And in that, we sing a song that revolves around his reputation in his general interaction with the universe rather than on that personalized level. Yes, Alan. So, Shir Shalyam, Shir Shal, the the C, the, you know, Moshe, Shir. Yeah. Timely in a timely manner. That follows the same pattern then? Because uh, this is a this is his not an individual, these were not individual thanks. These were this was a global um thing of the teva. Yeah. So yeah, so very good. So I don't know. Um without looking up the Malbum over there, it's a very interesting point. But over there it could be, as we've talked about many times that there's no true synonyms in Lush and Kodesh. So uh, all the words are going to mean something different. So what's the difference between a Shira and a Zimra? We translate both Shira and Zimra as song, but if they're different words, that must be that there's a different type of song. So I here, know. what? Mm-hmm. I, I see but, that. I see. So so here we're talking about uh, Lizamir, which may be different than Az Yashir. So although they're both songs, they could be you know, qualitatively or quantitatively different. I don't know which which qua uh, way it's going to be different, but it'll be different in some quack way, which I guess we'll call upon <laughs> Ralph to chime in with our yeah with our quacks. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Okay, excellent. Now that we got that out of our system, we feel better. So now we say, and what's going to happen? What are we going to be talking about? So we say, there it is. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to recount your kindliness, your chesed in the morning. And our uh, faith in you at night. And here also the Redox says something which is very important. He explains the two different references, the morning and the nighttime reference, and the different ways by which we connect with God at that time. 
So we say, The reason why we mention the morning is, because every morning when a person gets up, so the first thing that we do, most people is, they get up and they go to work, or we used to get up and go to work. And on Shabbos, this is again with that theme in terms of what's happening on Shabbos. So Shabbos, although the entire week we run around like crazy, but when it comes to Shabbos morning, so you can wake up, you can say, oh, Baruch Hashem, I don't have to go to work today. Not that your alarm is going off, but I can snooze and I can go ahead and I can go back to sleep. Make sure to be in show by nine, but I can go back to sleep. And then you go ahead and you remember this will allow you, since you're not running around crazy like we do during the week, so then you can remember all of the kindnesses which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has done. So as we're, so the, the Radak is learning that this passage is talking about is specifically not mornings in terms of that the, the world always looks bright and exciting because it's the beginning of a new day and new opportunities. Here the Radak is learning that this is going specifically on waking up the morning of Shabbos itself. So the morning of Shabbos, I wake up and I realize I don't have to run to work. You all don't have to run to work. I do have to run to work on Shabbos morning. But the rest of you are able to enjoy that opportunity to go ahead and to uh, to wake up and not have responsibilities. And that gives you an opportunity to think about God. Uledas Razal, and according to Chazal, So they say that it could be that this paragraph is not only referring to Shabbos, but could also be a reference to Olam Haba. Like we refer to in Zmiros, that Shabbos is, that, that, that Olam Haba is Yom Shekulo Shabbos. It's a day which is entirely Shabbos. So if we look at this paragraph, if we look at this parak from that perspective that it's talking about Olam Haba, Yeh Perush Le'esagula. So according to that explanation, when David Amelch says, that in the morning we're going to go ahead and recount your kindnesses, that means at the time of the final redemption, that's when we're going to be able to go ahead and recount all of your, uh, all of your kindnesses. And in this passage when it says, Nighttime does refer to nighttime, but it's referring to our time in exile. So nighttime is always connected with exile. Daytime or morning is always associated with geula. Kolomar, in other words, that when the morning arrives, meaning when the geula takes place, so then we will recount all of your chasadim, all of your kindnesses. We're going to be able to recount all the kindnesses which you did for us when you took us from exile. Even though, as a result of our exile, we may have been deserving of destruction, because one of the things which happens during exile often is we end up sinning. But nonetheless, we're going to give thanks to the fact that you went ahead and you redeemed us anyways. And at nighttime, during our exile, Shuha Laila, and Munascha. So we are going to express our appreciation of your faithfulness. What does it mean, Hashem's faithfulness at, during the time of exile? That you promised us that ultimately there will be a final geula. 
even though the exile has gone on for a long period of time, and it may seem as if we're just spinning our wheels, we're not actually making any progress towards Geula, nonetheless, we rely and we lean very heavily on our emuna, or not our emuna, but that your emuna, your faithfulness, that, that you told us that you're going to take us from this exile, and we have uh, faith in you, we have trust in you, that you are going to go ahead and you are going to ultimately redeem us. Then this song, which we're going to be singing, and the uh, the uh, the poem, I guess, or the expressions which we have. So he goes on to say, novel." It's going to be on a ten-stringed instrument as well as a lute. together in meditation on a harp. And um, the uh, the Mitzvahs David says that all this really means is is that there's going to be this. Uh, it's not just going to be somebody singing. It's not going to be a karaoke type of thing. Maybe it is sort of karaoke, but it's not going to be unplugged, but it's going to be specifically a person singing together with music, which makes the musical experience better. It makes the singing experience better. Everything is going to be done in the ideal manner of expressiveness of our feelings of appreciation for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's chesed and the emuna and all of that. Because where's all this coming from? You have gladdened me, Hashem, with what you did. Um, and sorry, I left out the Malbim over here. Um, yeah, before we go, let's hold on. Before we see the, the this part of the joy. Almost forgot the Malvin. So the Malvin had said that um, yeah, so he says over here, as far as the previous Pasuk, where it says that we're going to go ahead and we're going to relate your kindness at daybreak and your faithfulness each night. So the Malvin explains, Lahagid, Rakis Bar, we've explained, Shahan Haga Hativis, Nikr B'Shem Emuna, that when God runs the world through nature, via the veil of nature. So that's what we call emuna. We have to trust that Akash Baruch Hu is actually the, uh, behind, the, uh, behind the curtain over there running things, because it's not something that we could see because Akash Baruch Hu is specifically and intentionally concealing himself. Because when it comes to the adherence with the laws of nature, Iftiach meiz briyas olam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised that that's the way the world is going to run. The physical universe is going to run according to laws of nature. There's physics, there's chemistry, there's biology. There's all sorts of ways by which the world is going to run. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in place a system, a system of nature, which you cannot violate. You cannot go ahead and put two objects in the same place at the same time. You can't really have water go upstream. All the different things about the nature which are true, let's just assume that whatever I said was actually true, that there's such a thing as gravity and all of that, and all of that is true. And that these things are not going to be violated no matter what. These are rules by which the universe is going to be run, and you can't apply for a variance uh, for exceptions to the rule, because this is what it is. 
But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu does miraculous things, what seems to us miraculous, so the laws of nature cannot, we cannot violate laws of nature. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he has the override key, like when you're checking out and they need to override something, so you have to call the manager with the override key. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the override key for the way things go, and that is what we call chesed. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses that override key, like the like Kriyas Yamsuf, when he has the sea split in order to save the Jewish people, so that is Hakadosh Baruch Hu doing a chesed. That's what we describe as a chesed. Ki lohit because that's not something which God has to do. Laws of nature would say, listen, there's a body of water in front of you. Too bad, so sad. You can't get through it unless you have a boat. and the uh, songwriter over here. Sometimes he's a poet, but here he's a songwriter. So he's he's uh, pointing our attention to Gilui Shnehanagotla. So David Amelch is connecting these two different ways by which God interacts in the world via behind the veil of nature and the outright overt miraculous way. So Kashbarhu describes us now, Kashbarhu, David Amelch describes them as Yom and Lila, as references to day and night. Shakamosha Lila. Night is a time where generally most creatures go to rest. Obviously, there's nocturnal creatures, but humans and the those creatures which are primarily active during the day. So nighttime is when we go rest, we recharge, and we uh, we allow ourselves to uh, to relax. So in the same way that nighttime is when we relax, it's our experience. It's a time when we go to sleep. And we recharge. So too, Akash Baruch Hu sort of deactivates, quote unquote, and he goes that and he allows things to run according to the laws of nature. In putting this together with uh, what the uh, the Radak was talking about, so this is something which we're going to experience in Gullus as well. During the exile, which by, defini- by definition is when Akash Baruch Hu says, I'm going to hide behind nature, it's a time of Hester upon him, it's a time of concealment. So, time of concealment means that Akash Baruch Hu is going to be behind the scenes and he's going to allow the world to run based on what seems to be nature. And if somebody is insensitive to God's presence, they will assume that everything which is unfolding is all just part of the natural order of things. And there's nothing unusual to go on. There's nothing out of the ordinary. Everything is just happening the way it's supposed to. Then at the same time, explains the Malbim, and just like the morning characterizes the awakening of all of creation, and everything begins in movement starts to uh, to starts again and everything is up and ready to take on the day and this is when we get to see how hakadosh baruch Hu is renewing the very act of creation itself so so in the same way during the daytime that's where we associate the miracles which hakadosh baruch Hu performs because that's where we see the activity where God is now using that override key to go ahead and perform miraculous things, things which don't, which are not consistent with nature, in order to make sure to take care and to protect the Jewish people. So that's why it's going to be lahagi We have these two different times. Morning is going to be the chesed, the active things that Shakarish Baruch Hu does. 
And during the nighttime, it's going to be the Amuna, where Akash Baruch Hu allows things to run what would seem to be according to nature, and certainly it's completely explainable according to nature without having to re- lean on the uh, conclusion that there's necessarily a miracle which is taking place. Can I ask yeah. a question? Yes, please. Sorry. Um, how can we can say Hashem's name, and yet uh, our father and mother, we can't use our, you know, we can't call them by the first name, but Hashem, we we can when we die, we could say the their we could say Hashem's name. Yeah, so that's that, that that's it, it's a very profound question. Thank you very much for the, the that question. Uh, and it it's the reason why Hashem does it is because I think is because Hakadosh Baruch Hu knows how difficult it does it is for us to connect with Him because He's not a an entity which is there in front of us that we could actually see and feel the physical presence. So therefore, if you if there's no physical presence to connect with, you're connecting with an idea or a concept, and you can't even refer to that concept by the name, it makes it much harder to connect with that. So since Hashem, at the end of the day, wants a, a, a relationship with us, the only way we're going to be able to relate to Him is if we have a name by which we could refer to Him. Thank you. Name the monster, and you can defeat the monster. But you got to be able to name the monster. So, not that Kodesh Baruch is a monster, but sometimes in order to connect to something, you need to be able to give it a name. So, Kodesh Baruch is something that if we're going to connect with, there has to be a name that we're going to associate, even though really we can't say the name because only the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur would actually say the real name, but we get as close as we can to the name that we that we do. Thank That's you. But then, it's a, it's a burning bush. Hashem refused to give a name. Um, to Moshe to use to can help the people connect. Um, so they they negotiated out what the name was going to be. Correct. Um, you know, Hashem said, uh, you know, you refer to me as, um, Eya Asher Eya. You know, I will be who I will be, which is one of the names of God. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, listen, it, when you're using that double expression. What that means is that I'm going to be with you now and I'm going to be with you in the future in your next galus. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you know what? Klaus isn't in the mood to hear about their next galus. Let's just keep it at the current redemption and let's not talk about that other name. And then Akash Baruch revises it and says, okay, just use one of those expressions. But there, they, there was um, a Chazal understand that the Shvatim had specifically given a name uh, by which the Redeemer would be able to identify himself as the actual uh, Redeemer of the Jewish people. That they were expecting to hear. It was, like, it was a secret code that they were going to be able to hear, and only when they heard that name being referenced would they know that this is the authentic Redeemer who's actually going to take them out of, uh, out of Mitzrayim. So they definitely had a tradition that there was going to be a name which was going to be, uh, which would tell them that uh, the time has come. So a name is a very powerful thing. I mean, now there's not a sheer about names, but a name is a very powerful, uh, a very powerful tool of connection. Uh, it captures the essence of something. So this is, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not a small thing. Okay, now I have to say something, chiming okay. in. Okay. Okay, so what happens if a person that their father or their mother died, that means that because they can't see them, they can now start calling them by their first name? Um, no, we still continue to refer to them by, uh, by not just because there's, there's supposed to be a, as much as a, the parent child relationship is supposed to be very warm and very close. 
but it's not supposed to be a peer relationship where you refer to one another by the name. So even after they passed away, they still remain a parent, and therefore we refer to them with that more respectful way, recognizing that we're not peers, we're our parent-child. There's a different dynamic there. Otherwise, we wouldn't. Uh... And, but but in at that point, there hopefully there's enough of a relationship where we don't need to refer to them by their first name. Sometimes uh, saying mommy may be a stronger reference than referring to somebody by their actual name. Because mommy implies a, a much more intimate connection between child and parent than if they were to refer to them by their name. Their name is how everybody else knows them. But to, to me, you're mommy. Okay. Yeah. I think my kids, just I'm speculating, maybe I'll, I'll ask them about this. Some of them will be here. The married ones will be here, Shabbos. But I think that they would rather call me Tati than Rabbi, or even by my first name. Because that's something which, you know, it, it's a relationship which very, there, there are more people who relate to me as Rabbi, there are more people who would refer to me as Gershon, than there are people who can refer to me as Tati. So it's a much closer relationship that they could go ahead, that they have a special name that they could use for me, which nobody else could use. But I'm going to ask them about that, if I remember. My memory goes all the way till Shabbos. I'm going to ask them about that. Okay. Now, then we started the Pasuk about the, uh, we read through the Pasuk about the music as well, about how we're, that uh, David Melch is going to use not only singing, but this is something where music is going to be a an essential part of the process. So here, I don't understand exactly what he means, but just the phrase was something which interest, interested me greatly. He actually goes on. That's why you have the ellipse at the end of the line over there. But it's something, an interesting thing which he commented. The the Malbim says, ha, what's the next word? The last one highlighted there? Musica. Right, so here he's transliterating. I don't know what he's transliterating into. It's not English. But he says that Negunea Musica, that the way of playing music, Verachtnu Oseha, and the different movements or the different sounds, I'm going to assume, Yisdamu in Erecha Olam HaKlali. So he says that there's a parallel between music and the way the universe functions. Music is part of the universe. Everything in the in the universe moves. Music is a result of vibrations, is a result of sound which is taking place. And there's some very general way by which the universe functions and by how music plays a part of that. And therefore, as we're talking about, as we're focusing our attention in this parak on Hashkacha Pratis, so we're going to, uh, in how the universe is run, so you cannot express that, you cannot capture that fully without music. And if you remember, that's what we talked about last week, that we're going to use specifically a 10-stringed instrument, because 10 always represents the totality of creation, the totality of something. So we're talking about how Akash Baruch reacts with the world as a whole. So we're going to use specifically that asor, that ten-stringed instrument, so that all of the sounds will be able to hear, be able to be heard and experienced and felt, and to capture the entirety of how God interacts with the universe. Okay, then we go back, and we say. Um, that you, Akash Baruch Hu, have made me happy before Alecha with your deeds. 
and and I'm going to hear that we translate this. I'm going to shout for joy as a result of your myseidim, as a result of your handiwork. So here, um, the Radak says, I have it down here. The Radak says, again, focusing our attention on the singing of the song on Shabbos, Bioma Shabbos Simachtani, on the day of Shabbos I rejoice. When I contemplated your deeds and your handiwork. Deeds and your handiwork. Shehu olam vashirbo, which is your deeds and your handiwork is essentially the universe and everything which is contained in it. And on the day of Shabbos, again, when I wake up in the morning and I don't have to go to work and I have a chance to relax and I have a, a chance to meditate and contemplate the universe, Oz Esmach. What that leads me to is great joy. And part of what I'm, I'm able to rejoice and I'm able to experience is the wisdom of nature itself. The greatness of, uh, of nature and the system of nature which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created. And when I contemplate nature, as you're walking to and from Shul, and you're seeing all the different things which are there, whether they're in growth or whether they're dormant in all the different varieties and all the different things which exist, I'm going to grasp and I'll appreciate whatever it is that I'm able to think about, what I'm able to understand and appreciate. And that's going to bring joy and happiness, gladness to my heart. Uh, and this is going to be true regarding each wise person as he contemplates and meditates on the handiwork of God. And being that each person is going to see the world differently, they're going to comprehend the world differently, they're going to appreciate the world differently, so for that reason, I love the preciseness of this. That's why it says simachtani aranein. So that's why in this pasuk it says ki simachtani. You have gladdened me in the singular. Aranein, I will shout for joy. Also in the first person singular. So all of it is lashon yachid. It's all going to be in the singular because each one of us ultimately is going to look at, we could look at the exact same things in nature and yet we'll have a different response to it because we have different understandings of what's at work. We'll have a different appreciation of what's there. And therefore, these songs and this uh, this experience of joy is something which is going to be felt on a very personal level. It's not a Claudiusdika level. It's not a Tzibor experiencing this together, but this is something which is very personal. And therefore, the words in this Pasuk are in the singular. The word Simachtani, you have made me singular. And Aranein, the Aleph at the beginning, tells me that it's personal. And what are we going to say? What's going to be the although it's going to be personalized, what's going to be the collective reaction? Um, actually, before we even get to that, we're not going to get to that. Let us see the Malbim about. Get there. So Malbim writes also, he says that we talked about in this pasuk, we said that there is pa'alecha, your deeds, and ma'asiyadecha, your handiwork. So the Mama explains again, because there's no true synonyms. He says, yesh hevdel ben pu'ula u ben ma'isa. There's a difference between the uh, 
deeds and handiwork. When something is completed, so the word that we would use in Lashon Kodesh is Misa. Misa bracious means the completion of everything in, in creation. While you're building something, while you're creating something, while you're making something, that will be described as a pu'ula. That's a word that we would use for the process of making something. And this is the, 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 the universe in which we find ourselves captures this idea that when something is whole and complete, and it's something which is one of the already established laws of nature, so all of that is called Maisa Hashem. Maisa Hashem meaning that it's done, put a fork in it, uh, take it out of the oven. But when a Baruch Hu is busy with the world, busy with the world in the sense that he's now interacting with individuals in the world, and he's manipulating the universe in order to bring about the desired result that he wants. So when Akash Baruch Hu is performing miracles, he's using his override key over nature in order to split the sea or in order to provide them with a cloud which is going to accompany them to make things comfortable as they travel. So when Akash Baruch Hu is doing those things, the Hashkacha the Pratis parts of, of, of the universe, so that's where Akash Baruch Hu is now playing an active role. That's Pu'ula. And as he's making new things as he goes along, so that is what we refer to as pu'ula. Okay, so now that we know the difference between maisa means that which is complete, pu'ula is those things which are in formation. So therefore, when we talk about chesed, which we already explained, the Malbim already explained, Chesed always refers to how Kosh Baruch Hu is using divine providence to bring about a desired result, Vanisit, and the miracles, Omer Kisimachtani Befalecha. So that's why when we're talking about miracles, so I'm going to rejoice over your uh, over your deeds, because that is the Hashkacha practice where I'm going to be able to see this um, in a uh, um, uh, in a uh, information as it's taking place. Because our hearts are going to experience joy and happiness when we recognize how Akash Baruch Hu is in- interacting with us on an individual basis. But But when we go ahead and we contemplate. Uh, nature itself, in the totality of it, in the structure of it, in how it runs like clockwork. So that Amar So then the Maisiyadaim, so I'm going to sing a song. It's not going to be the same type of song that I would sing when I'm talking about Hashkacha Pratis. This is going to be a song which is going to be generalized, having to do with my perspective of seeing God within nature itself, not overriding nature. And that's why I get the nuanced difference of terminology in this pasuk of the Kisimachtani Hashem before Alecha and Masiyadecha Arane. Okay, so we're going to hold it over here for tonight. So we pick it up next week from the Magadu Masach Hashem. Right. Alright, and we will see you, everybody, God willing, Thursday, uh, 8.30 Chicago time, 9.30 on the coast. Thank you, Rabbi.
Thank you. All the best, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.